Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Georgia, I need you to do it one more time. Runoff election. The early voting looks good for us. This is about turnout and we got to get in the game. Big decision. On the Supreme Court, LGBTQ couples. Access to services. Twitter is facing serious questions. The cover-up of the laptop story. Kirstie Alley. Don't you stop loving me. We need to know. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views. It is Tuesday. Lots to talk about. Boy, it's warm out there today. It's supposed to be warmer tomorrow. I know this is not a weather show, but uh, I'm uh, I'm enjoying this uh, spring-like, fall-like, winter-like weather. Cold yesterday. Uh, the Duke Energy uh, Moore County shoot 'em up gunfire story uh, continues to make news. Duke Energy says it expects to restore power to all customers in Moore County by Wednesday night. Duke Energy spokesman Jeff Brooks said the company expects to have power back Wednesday just before midnight. About 35,000 Duke Energy customers were still without power earlier today, down from 45,000 at the height of the outage on Saturday. Authorities have said the outage began shortly after 7 p.m. Saturday night after one or more people drove up to two substations and shot them up. Uh, Governor Cooper called for a thorough assessment of state's critical infrastructure Tuesday morning at a Council of State meeting. A collective body of elected officials compromised uh, the executive branch. He said this will likely include discussions with federal regulators, lawmakers, utility companies, etc., in the short term, the state has sent generators to Moore County to help uh, feed residents. Law enforcement is um, in the surrounding counties. Uh, they apparently are being more village- vigilant about uh, monitoring nearby substations. This seems too easy, Cooper said after the meeting. People knew what they were doing to disable substations and for that much damage to be caused, causing so much problems, economic loss, etc. Mike Causey, the North Carolina Insurance Commissioner and State Fire Marshal, called the attack a wake-up call to provide better security at our substations. <clears throat> you know, it is uh, almost scary. We, we have lived in a society that is basically made up of law-abiding citizens who would – the vast majority would protect – things that are good for the general welfare of people but there are people and i I, they have no clue who this uh individual or individuals were that shot up this but you know i've often thought it is really easy because we're a trusting people and because we think that people are basically going to do what is right we are really in a situation where if you if you wanted to you could cause a, a lot of damage mm. l- like things like this. But you, you stop and think about – and I don't want to give people ideas, but you know, you could easily go out and derail a train if you wanted to. I mean it, it is not that hard. Uh, you could, uh, you could uh, poison a water supply. Uh, it's, and you, you, we can't protect everything. I mean it's just basically impossible. Uh, this is why you need – law enforcement and a judicial system that rewards good people and punishes bad people and unfortunately we're getting further and further away from that all the time yeah it seems that we're constantly uh particularly one side of the electoral aisle 
is constantly making excuses for people who commit crimes. Uh, I, somebody, we were talking today, somebody said, you know, I wonder who's behind this. And I kind of jokingly said, well, maybe the local Generac dealer. But <laughs> but uh, I bet I bet really I bet a lot of people in Pinehurst will have generators for their home now because, I mean, I mean that's a long time without power. Yeah. I mean, they're not, not used to it. I, and to your point, I mean, there's a substa- electrical substation not far from where I live, just a mile or so down the road, and it's – I mean, yeah, it's got a fence and it's uh, locked. I assume, but uh, if you got a high-powered rifle, uh, I, yeah, I mean, anybody could just go up and do a lot of damage. It is interesting. Uh, one person that apparently was interviewed was a young woman by the name of Emily Grace Rainey. Now, the News and Observer <laughs> talked about her, and I mentioned yesterday NBC picked up this story and ran with it insinuating that perhaps this is the guilty party. She was very outspoken, very conservative person. Um, she was very – I think she actually attended the January 6th deal up uh, a year ago. Okay, that's all the press needs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But she was upset over the drag show that was taking place in Southern Pines. Hmm. She put something on Facebook about, you know – uh, God's poetic justice, or, or something that I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she made comments that, well, you know, God's not going to be mocked, or something like that. Um, and from that, the sheriff's department went and interviewed her, saying that they had to. Now, afterwards, she said, "I'm sorry they had to waste their time." The sheriff's department, and by the way, the sheriff uh, in that uh, Moore County was actually friends with this uh, Emily Grace Rainey. They have done things together. She's very supportive of law enforcement in the sheriff's department. And, uh, you know, he, he said they, they, he doesn't see any connection. He, they did send deputies out to interview her just to cross off that, that box. But, uh, of course, her exact quote was, um, I told them that God works in mysterious ways and is responsible for the outage. I used the opportunity to tell them about the immoral drag show and the blasphemies screened by its supporters. I told them God is chastising Moore County. Thank them for coming and wish them a good night. Thankful for the LEO's service, uh, as always. I, I, I don't know that that would be the the smartest thing to say, but uh, nonetheless, that doesn't make her guilty of shooting out the uh, substation. And uh, the, the, the fact that she was... <laughs> Rather upset for this drag show. By the way, unfortunately, the drag show, uh, it it went on by candlelight. Make you sick to your stomach. Was the whole county of Moore County out? Pretty much, yeah. In fact, there were some homes outside of the county that were out as well. Because Moore County's had explosive growth in the last 20, surprised. years. Yeah, I was surprised that they said at the max there was 45,000, but they also said that, that it was the entire county. Which I would have thought Moore County had more than forty five thousand residents. Uh, hundred and two thousand. Okay, well that answers the question. Then, mm-hmm. then no, the the entire county apparently wasn't out. Mm-hmm. Uh, News and observers reporting more problems from Madison Cawthorn. Substantial evidence exists that Madison Cawthorn promoted a cryptocurrency in which he had financial interest. I don't think it was. Uh, Samuel Fry, FTX. Yeah, I don't think it was the same company. I don't think so, no. But uh, apparently now the U.S. House House Ethics Rules 
are uh, looking further into that. On Earlier today, the Ethics Committee released findings from seven months' worth of investigations into the cryptocurrency allegations and whether Cawthorn had an improper relationship with a member of his congressional staff. The, exit, uh, the exit, uh, Ethics Committee found no evidence of the latter. What is this guy doing now? I don't know, but he's not – well, he, he's – you know, I, actually, I heard that he wasn't showing up for his meetings now that he lost his reelection. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what he will be doing. But uh, it is rather curious, though, that you had this – and listen, I, it's, it's pretty obvious. I'm not a Madison Cawthorn fan. I mean, I appreciate the fact that he's a conservative. Anybody that embraces conservative ideology, you know, I'll, I'll pat you on the back and shake your hand. But Madison Cawthorn is, to me, has always come across as too big for his britches, and he needed to do a lot of growing up. It is rather curious, though, that the Ethics Committee looked in to the fact that Cawthorn had an improper relationship with a member of his congressional staff, and they found no evidence. But yet, who who released that information uh, to take him down? I mean, just like you see time and time again. And listen, I'm not saying everybody is a saint and everybody is innocent. But the allegations against Trump, the allegations against Herschel Walker, you know, if you want to take somebody down, all you do is throw the allegation out there and let let people think the worst. Uh, speaking of the Herschel Walker Warlock race, MSNBC anchor Joy Reid and Democrat Party strategist Latasha Brown claimed that black voters in Georgia have been insulted by the way U.S. Senate candidate Herschel Walker has been walked around and used by Republicans during his campaign. If <laughs> Yes, that thank you. That's, if that is not laughable. Oh, my gosh. If that is not laughable. I mean, you mm. talk about the, no pun intended, the kettle calling the pot black. Both Walker's campaign has been a racist attempt to court black voters. My gosh, that is all the the Democrat Party has done for the last 60 years. Yep, and they've been very successful carting around black ministers, and I use that term loosely, and Warnock is one of them, uh, to go and rally the vote. And for 60 years, their communities have become poor and families have been destroyed. destroyed. All by Democrat policies. But if anyone listens to that show, I, who, who can be listening to her show? I, I really. Al Sharpton probably. <laughs> she is. She is. Pro- you know, she's probably not dumb. Uh, I mean, she's. she's no, I think she actually graduated. Well, she attended. I don't know if she graduated or not, but she attended an Ivy League school. I'm not sure. Yeah, she's just one. intellectually dishonest, I guess. But she's. Well, she's a Democrat. That's laughable. That's laughable. During Monday night's episode of MSNBC's The Readout, the anchor spoke to Brown and MSNBC contributor Jason Johnson about the state of the race the evening before Election Day. The conversation turned toward how Walker's GOP allies, like Lindsey Graham, have appeared to prop up the candidate in a way that has been insulting to black Americans. (laughs) Brown began, black people are upset. Actually, they feel insulted. No, I tell you when they feel insulted. They feel insulted. When you liberals go around talking about how how they're stupid little people that can't even go out and get a proper photo ID to vote with, yep. that's what is that that you are the ones that are insulting them, and they've been insulting them by saying, you know, you can't you can't basically, I, I mean, really, they're saying you can't compete with white people, 
So let's give yeah. you let's give you some special exceptions. I mean, that's what the Democrat Party has been selling to them for, like you said, sixty years. And for her to say that, you know, and and I think, uh, we, and we probably might talk about this, but I mean, I think Walker's going to lose this, and and I and I hope not. Let me put it that way. But I, it's it's a scam. And by the way, I've got a daughter that lives in Atlanta now. She moved down there this year, and she voted in the election. She went to vote this morning. And uh, my wife asked her, "Well, how long was the line?" She said, "There was no line." Okay, that that that, that, that now that could have been a fluke, but uh, and she probably went early this morning after she uh, dropped her daughter off. But but, but I've got to ask, if if Walker loses this election, what what is this telling you? In Georgia, every single, much like North Carolina, every single statewide election was won by Republicans. I think it was her seven or eight, all a sweep, yeah, yeah. just like in North Carolina. Uh, Governor Kemp swept the state in his election. I mean, Stacey Abrams, you know, she might have competed in a pie-eating contest, but she didn't compete in this election. <laughs> I don't um, know if that's a good example. Well, I mean, you know, she, <laughs> Probably I, think she'd, I think she'd be damn good at it. <laughs> just, a, just, just a hunch. But, but, but in all seriousness, uh, so, I mean, is this – is this saying how bad a candidate Walker is, or is this really saying um, Donald Trump, Walker's connection to Donald Trump didn't help Walker? Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, that's what would be debated, I guess. Uh, well, yeah, there, there's been a lot of uh, a, a lot of interesting thoughts about uh, Trump and candidates and losses. Hey, we're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Stay with us. News and Views continues right after this. If keeping resolutions were easy, we'd all be in shape. The inbound roads are jammed with joggers. Have money to burn. Add another thousand to the fire. And we'd have the most sensational hobbies. Oh, look, it's the ultra-rare red-footed booby. What? Yeah, not happening. One resolution that is easy, check in here more often because you'll stay more informed. My New Year's resolution. It's easy to stay informed. Turn on the radio. Talking about what matters on Talk 96.3 at 103.7. Welcome back in. A quick look at your weather forecast for this uh, December the 6th. It is uh, going to be a chance of a rain shower tonight with a low of 56. Tomorrow... Pretty nice. Uh, there will be fog early in the morning and some clouds later, but a high of 71. And uh, tomorrow night, a low of 56 with uh, cloudiness. Thursday, a high of 62. Again, cloudy skies. Not a lot of rain in the forecast, but a lot of cloudiness. A, a chance of rain each day. It was 157 years ago in 1865, the 13th Amendment was ratified, which abolished slavery. Now, that was interesting. That was, uh, what, what did we say, four years after the Civil War started? Civil War started in March or April of 1861 and ended in April of 1865. So, yeah, four years. Four, it took four years for the United States to do that. That's kind of interesting. Now, remember, the Emancipation Proclamation only freed the slaves in the northern states. And... Um, so this was this was after the surrender that the amendment was passed. I was going to say at the signing of the surrender papers at Appomattox, uh, Grant was the slave owner. Interestingly, mm-hmm. and uh, Robert E. Lee, after he had given each of the slaves that he inherited, never bought a slave, but he inherited slaves through his wife's family up at Arlington, and he freed them all once they had 
a trade of which they could support themselves and their family. Yeah, you know, I think uh, to to be fair, if you can be fair, um, I think Grant's slave slaves was inherited as well from his wife. Was it? Yeah. Sorry. Because Grant came from a very poor background and married into uh, I was going to say, was was it Grant? I'm trying to remember from my uh, history. Was it Grant's family that uh, was upset with uh, the, the family that he married because uh, they were abolitionists and her family was not? I can't remember. Uh, Maybe I'm thinking of somebody hmm. else. Anyway. Good 157 man. years ago today. Uh Tom Tillis continues to make um, news with this uh, interesting amnesty plan that he is uh, proposing with Kristen Cinema. Town Hall has written a story, headline, Heritage Action is sounding an alarm over a reported bipartisan amnesty plan circulating on Capitol Hill and warning the scheme will make the current border crisis worse. In the Senate reports have emerged that Tom Tillis and Cinema have agreed on an immigration reform framework that would grant amnesty to 2 million illegal aliens and add funding to speed up the processing of waves of asylum seekers flooding our southern border. Uh, on the phone with us now is Carson Steelman. She is press secretary for Heritage Action for America. They've been covering this story. Carson, welcome in. Good to have you with us. Thanks for having me on. So this uh, – amnesty bill has basically just popped up out of nowhere i i mean i follow the news pretty carefully and pretty closely and it was just uh yesterday that we started seeing that uh, tom tillis and christian cinema were working on this bipartisan legislation which i found it really strange that you would do this in the lame duck session of congress unless you wanted to slam this thing through before uh, the democrats lost control of the house but you all have been following this closely. What can you tell us about this bill? What's in it and why is it so dangerous? Yeah, so we just got news this week that um, they have come to an agreement on framework for legislation. So uh, I have not seen any text on the final legislation, so there could be a lot more terrible things in it. Uh, but what we know right now is that it will grant amnesty to 2 million DACA recipients, uh, and then they're exchange for Republicans, so they say, is that they'd give some more resources to Border Patrol and Border Security. Uh, but what we've seen is that the, the numbers in the new aid that would come to the border are actually really, really low. Uh, so at the end of the day, this is nothing more than an amnesty bill. When you say numbers are really low, you mean in terms of numbers of the illegal aliens or numbers in terms of no, the funding? Sorry, for the numbers for the additional border funding. Okay. Uh, so that's how they painted this, that this is a compromise between Tillis and Cinema, uh, and then Republicans would get something out of it because they'd send a little bit more money to the border. But when you really break down the numbers, uh, it's, it's really not that much that the border would get, and they'd still have to get these uh, 2 million uh, DACA recipients coming through and, and remaining in country permanently. Uh, and part of that funding that they want to send to the border would be to fast to process uh, asylum seekers even faster. So at the end of the day, this is going to, number one, grant amnesty to two million illegal migrants. Number two, um, it's going to further incentivize more folks to make that dangerous journey and put their hands uh, in the um, and put their lives in the hands of the dangerous cartel. Have you heard anything from the Tillis uh 
folks as to why all of a sudden this is so important that we push this through during the lame duck session? I have not heard anything from the Tillis team, but I, I think it's pretty obvious, uh, like you were just saying, that the reason they're doing this in the lame duck session is because they know uh, that this is their best opportunity to ram something through. And then when you look at what the House is doing right now, they're trying to pass a bill called the Eagle Act, uh, which would reform the immigration system in a different way. It would basically lift the per-country cap um, for certain immigration visas, I think like green cards and everything like that, uh, and, and they think that that's a good reform for our immigration system right now. And while that might sound good, uh, what it would actually do is later on, it would increase chain migration, and then it would create a new opportunity for the CCP, our adversaries in China, uh, to continue sending over Chinese nationals to spy on Americans and to steal our intellectual property theft. So when you put these two together, which I think is important to also bring in the Eagle Act when you're talking about the Senate agreement, uh, they're really doing absolutely nothing uh, in terms of border security, and they're just pretending like they're they're taking action on on immigration. But this is the same tired, comprehensive immigration reform that we've been hearing for decades, and it always ends up badly. Total joke, uh, Carson. For our listeners, you, you talk about two million DACA recipients. Uh, explain who are these DACA? Who who, who tell me profile of these people um, that are here? Yeah, so the, these are the dreamers that we we always talk about. Um, so they this is part of the whole Obama thing. So the, dream, um, the so the dreamers is, are the what under eighteen? Uh, well, they're kid, under eighteen kid, when they came. Under eighteen when they came with their parents illegally. Is that correct? Yeah. So, but the thing is, it's not just these two million folks. It's also incentivizing uh, more families to make that journey, especially when they have young kids. Bingo. And to take mm-hmm. the, take those young kids. And then use the cartels who are going to say, hey, you know, look at all these people who just got amnesty over in the U.S. You want to do the same thing? Give us $30,000 and we'll get you there. So this is not going to solve the problem. This is not an acceptable compromise because it's only going to prolong the issues that we're facing right now. And again, once again, whenever you have this kind of legislation, this bipartisan come to Jesus, let's all compromise, the, the conservatives always get screwed. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's the same thing with gun control legislation, too. They're, they always come to some compromise, and it always ends up infringing on the Second Amendment. This is no different. Well, the Respect for Marriage Act, no different. Well, let's let's just say, uh, let's play devil's advocate here and say, you know, Tom Tillis' position is, hey, we'll get more money to to protect the border. But am I wrong just because the money's there if the, if the Biden administration is in charge of enforcement? They, I mean, they can just ignore it and not enforce it. Well, if, and if they're going to put the judges down there, if, if the deal is we're going to get more judges to, to process folks faster, to me, if Biden's in charge, all that means is, okay, the illegals are going to be coming in faster. Right, exactly, exactly. And that's the whole problem with this, too, is that it's not just straight funding for the border that is going to be used for good things. Uh, like you just said, it, you know, the Biden administration at the end of the day, those are the people who are in control. And Congress is looking at having to impeach Secretary Mayorkas because he's not doing anything. So why are we even going to trust that this money would go to the right people? And it's also such a low amount what we think it's going to be. Um, so, you know, there, there's absolutely no reason why we should agree to something like this when what we can do is put some solid policy on the table we can 
uh, re-implement Remain in Mexico. We can end catch and release. We can do things that worked during the Trump administration. Um, and But unfortunately, you know, the Democrats are they're unwilling to, to work with us on that. Do you think this has got a real possibility of getting through the House and the Senate before uh, the end of this current uh, congressional term? You know, we'll, we'll see. They have to release the, the text of it and they have to build their coalition. So um, they're really in a, in a um, kind of a last minute position here with only a few weeks left in lame duck. Uh, but I can assure you that every step of the way we will be fighting to make sure that they don't um, get any sort of consensus in the House and the Senate. Carson Steelman from uh, Heritage Action. Carson, thank you for all that you do. Thanks for joining us and informing us this afternoon. And again, uh, kudos to the Heritage Foundation and all you are are doing for the conservative cause. Keep up the good work. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, that is so frustrating. Well, the thing about it is it's a lame duck session. And I don't know really what Tom Tillis thinks he's accomplishing here by – you know, the, the one thing, Kristen Cinema. I mean, she does have concerns at the border because she's from Arizona. Right. But, but there, there's laws on the books now that's not being enforced. The Biden administration has not had any appetite at all to enforce the border, to acknowledge the border. He was there just, uh, what, today or yesterday. Well, he didn't go to the border, didn't though. go to the border. He was, what, 80, 100 miles away, yeah. and he didn't go to the border. So they're ignoring it. So I, I don't know what Tom Tillis is thinking. It, it, let's just say he does get some money to pass, um, you know, to you know, maybe to protect the border more. I just don't think the Biden administration is going to do anything about it. But again, I, could you explain to me, if this is so good, why do you have to slam it through now during the lame duck session while the Democrats still control the House? If this was a good conservative piece of legislation, would you not think, well, hey, let's wait till after the first of the year and we can really put something good together that will not only get through the Senate – and, you know, come up with a, a true bipartisan piece of legislation, although, again, it's been a long time since I've seen that happen, then you could get over to the House and maybe it would pass the the uh, uh, the Republican-led House. Yeah, and why the secrecy, you know, if he was being honest about it, uh, I heard Rand Paul today say that, um, I mean, he didn't know anything about it. Knew nothing That's what I said. I just, all so, of a sudden it came up yesterday. Yeah, so it just makes you wonder why. Why now? Why in a lame duck session, to your point, when things are totally different in January, new, new Congress? Uh, just mentioned, Joe went down to uh, Yuma, Arizona, yesterday. Apparently, there's a new chip manufacturer down there, and he was going to go christen it or something. The uh, He was asked on the way out of the White House yesterday morning if he was going to visit the border, to which he currently said there are more important things that are going on. <laughs> and I, I, you know, with... I mean, how many thousands of people a day are dying from fentanyl in this country? Exactly, and that's a point. That's a good point to bring up because you you can you can tell you can turn on the television to every channel except for Fox News, listen to every elected official in America, and no one is talking about it on the Democrat side. Yeah. The fentanyl crisis in America now it is the number one killer of, of uh, people. I think eighteen to thirty five, yeah. and nothing's being said about it, and it's coming over the border. And the fact that, it, that the whole thing has just totally collapsed in twenty four months. 
I mean, say what you like about Donald Trump, if you like him or dislike him, if you thought he was too crusty. If And by the way, we've got another story about Donald Trump's uh, business we'll get to in a little bit here. But how, how could it collapse so quickly? It was interesting. The president of El Salvador put out a tweet against Joe Biden, really blasted him on Twitter. He wrote uh, Nayib uh, Burkle. I'm probably hacking up his name, but the president of El Salvador. He writes, the most powerful country, this is, he's talking about the United States, the most powerful country in the world is falling so fast that it makes you rethink what are the real reasons. Something so big and powerful can't be destroyed so quickly unless the enemy comes from within. Mm. Well, we all underestimated Joe Biden's ability to screw things up. Which you know, it's really not Joe Biden. He's he's yeah, just he's a puppet. He's a puppet. Manchurian has candidate. No clue what's going on. Um, cognitively declined, and it's being it's being uh, controlled by within somewhere else in the party. Pretty obvious. Hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. Santa wins yet another term as leader of the North Pole, raising concerns of election rigging. Elves working in the factories threaten to strike and demand an extra five gumdrops an hour. Also, crypto continues its polar bear market. While you're enjoying your holidays, relax, take in those holiday memories with the people that you love. We'll be here with the news when you need it. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Now back to news and views with Tom Lambright and Benny Hardy on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Hey, don't forget Clark Willis. Uh, come on, he holds the whole thing together. Uh, today's program is brought to you in part by Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Have you heard the news? Ironwood Golf and Country Club was voted best golf course in Greenville for the fourth year in a row. They boast an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, members-only full-service dining areas, and monthly social events. Competition size, swimming pool, clay tennis courts, making Ironwood the perfect place to make new traditions with your friends and family. Looking for the perfect gift for a loved one? Or how about a gift for your family? An Ironwood gift certificate available. You can get one for the pro shop. You can get one for golf. You can get one for lessons. Uh, or here's the perfect gift for your entire family that lasts a whole year long. Jo- join Ironwood. No initiation fee required right now. Contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653 to find out more. Uh, yeah, the family would love it. PJ Media is reporting on a press secretary comment by Corinne Jean-Pierre. She was asked, I think this was actually yesterday, might have been today, but uh, she was asked why Cousin Eddie (laughs) has not been involved in going down and helping Senator Warlock in his uh, special election, which is taking place today. Now, uh, we all know that Joe's, the reason why is because Joe is toxic. I mean, it was interesting to note that Biden only endorsed three House candidates in the midterms. They were all solid blue districts. Illinois, seven. They won there. Ohio, 11. They won there. Oregon, five. The Republican won. I mean, he goes out and endorses three people in slam dunk districts, and uh, he only got two out of three. Anyway, so Corrine Jean-Pierre was asked, hey, why isn't Joe involved? Here's what the conversation sounded like. 
The way that we see this, uh, if you think about the midterms that just occurred, uh, the president played a big role here. He set the narrative on how Democrats uh, uh, were going to move forward uh, in the midterms, how they were going to talk about uh, the successes that they had, how they how they were going to talk about what was important uh, to American families, right? Jean-Pierre is a ditz, <laughs> but, you know, she's probably the appropriate person to be in that position because <clears> – <throat> She lies without flinching. She, now she stumbles, but she lies without flinching. And I guess that's what you have. You have to have that quality to be able to get up there and do what she does day after she's, day. She's really bad at her job. Though. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, as much as, you know, we made fun of Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki was, was good, oh, yeah. at, good at her job, uh, although she lied and, and – uh, was you know snappy at the reporters and uh, well the reporters ask her serious questions but but th- but John Pierre I mean she just has the job because she checks boxes yes she's I, bad. I, I, I mean, was just thinking bad. the same thing is that bad. that's what they considered they considered well, well listen if we find a black female lesbian then they can't say anything bad about it well and and to prove my point is I mean you've seen recently in recent months. When you start talking about issues of uh, you know state type issues, national security or things like that, John Kirby comes in, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and it, that's you know that that's been done in the past on some specific topics, um, maybe some specific operations or specific talks between the United States and other country, but not just general state questions. That's because she's such a lightweight intellectually on these issues. Uh, it's just. You know, it's laughable, really. Well, um, let's see. Trump's press secretary is now the governor of Arkansas. Yeah. I, do you see Jean Pierre <laughs> uh, having advancement? She'll, you know, she'll do that probably for another six months or a year. She'll get us a get her a big paying gig with MSNBC or something like that. You know, yeah, yeah probably so. The Daily Wire and a number of other media outlets have jumped all over this story. The Trump Organization, former President Trump's company, and again, the name of the company was the Trump Organization, uh, was found guilty today of committing tax fraud. Now, this is the company. It's not necessarily Donald Trump, but the mainstream media wants you to think it is Donald Trump. A jury ruled that two entities, although it doesn't do Donald Trump's political career any good, A jury ruled that two entities underneath the Trump Organization umbrella schemed to evade taxes by paying a number of top executives through gifts and perks that were deducted from their paychecks, according to the New York Times. The gifts, which included items like luxury cars and apartment leases, were used to evade a stiffer tax penalty on income. Prosecutors faced off against the Trump Organization in court proceeding that began in late October. Prosecutors argued that the company, as well as former President Trump, was complicit in years-long tax evasion scheme involving multiple top executives, according to the Associated Press. The former president was the former president, I should say, was not charged in the case. The trial was against two Trump Organization entities: the Trump Corporation and the Trump Payroll Corporation. The former was charged with nine counts, the latter with eight. The entities were represented by separate legal teams and were both convicted on all counts. The defense teams pinned the blame for a string of tax-free gifts awarded to some executives on Alan uh, Whistleberg, the Trump Organization's former chief financial officer. Whistleberg pleaded guilty to charges of tax fraud, grant larceny, 
and others in August, forcing the company to overhaul its defense after he agreed to testify for the prosecution. We are here today because of one reason and one reason only, the greed of Alan uh, Whistleberg or Weisselberg. Um, Trump Organization attorney Susan Natchells told the jury last week, according to arguments, according to the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, and the and the reports I saw today, because uh, this I think this case was determined what late this afternoon. Yes, and, yeah, and I saw I saw what was on the AP's wire and what they were reporting to all the local stations and everything, and they conveniently left out into the very end of the article that the CFO for Trump, well, Weisselberg, I think his name, he testified weeks ago. I might even mention it on the program. He testified weeks ago that Donald Trump and no one in the Trump family knew anything about his scheme to avoid income and, and to commit tax fraud. I mean, he admitted to it. And, uh, you know, of course, liberals and progressive Democrats want to say, hey, you know, he's just taking the fall for Donald Trump. Well, well he, the Trump Organization is a big organization. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's, and as a person, as a financial person, the CFO is ultimately responsible. The CEO is ultimately responsible, but but the CFO is responsible for tax compliance. Well, this guy not only was not uh, appropriately handling tax compliance for other people, he did it himself. He defrauded the government out of taxes. He himself. said, he said, I quote, "It was my own personal greed that yeah. led to this." Yeah, so. It's really a nothing story, and this would have never happened, never been investigated if it wouldn't have been for Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And this is never done at the state or or, or city level. And again, uh, you know, the the double standard with our judicial system, with our Department of Justice, with the media. Oh, my gosh. I mean, consider, consider the malfeasance within the Trump I'm sorry, within the Biden family, Mm -hmm. Uh, just illegal activities, embezzlement, uh, being paid off by foreign entities, uh, national security risks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a it's a people just yawn and like it's no big deal. There's nothing there. And for the last six years, um, various various states and, and, and the federal government have gone after people that had any connection with Donald Trump gone after them yep. found found them guilty on on other charges but they still hadn't taken donald trump out and they only did it simply to try to get them to turn evidence on donald trump and it's the witch hunt just needs to stop I well mean, it really just needs and to stop here the bottom line is i i'm sorry to say this but there is damage that will be done because of this and i don't know that and listen i like donald trump i like ron DeSantis too but can he overcome the damage that is being inflicted on him? Because it's just it's just constant, one story after another. Now, listen, as soon as they realize that, okay, the spotlight is off of Donald Trump and it's on Ron DeSantis, they're going to go after him just as equally as hard as they possibly can to vilify him. But uh, is Donald well, Trump damaged goods? And, well, uh, I, and look, and I know if you're a conservative and you're a Trump supporter – you think he's the greatest president we've had, at least since Ronald Reagan, maybe ever, in terms of getting things done. But Trump cannot win in 2024, and it's just you got to look at you got to look at the entire voting population. Yep, and and I've I talked to more and more people that are actually fairly progressive <laughs> that will say, you know, I, I could vote for Ron DeSantis, right? And 
and it's just um D- donald trump is he, he was his own worst enemy and I, and I voted for him and i'd vote for him again if he's if he's the candidate just because i'm i'm not i don't believe in socialism <laughs> that's the main yeah, reason yeah. but he cannot win he yeah. just can't sorry sorry trumpers i yeah i i i i feel for you and it's sad that uh the the enemy has prevailed in this but you know right now I, and i'm not throwing in the blanket or you know throwing in the towel or being a wet blanket mixing my metaphors but uh it's it's a hard road to hoe i have a tendency to agree with benny on this it's it's you got to look at the entire voting population. Hey, we got to take another time out. We'll be right back. Here I was, little Ralphie Parker, a certified adult. Christmas was all up to me now. You want a baby gun for your kid? What are you, nuts? There's a 14-day waiting period. Your son triple dog dared another child at school today. We do not tolerate bullying, Mr. Parker. All the Christmas stories throughout the season. And there we sat, gazing at a gender-neutral leg, wearing sensible shoes glowing in the window. Decode the day's news (laughs) with Tom and Benny. On Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Um, You're going to put your eye out. (laughs) (laughs) Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle are uh, making the news again. Not in a good way. Uh, You know, these are environmentalists. That's their new gig is they want to tell everybody else how to live. Um, Well, they took a private jet. To one of their environmental oh, yeah. deals, and um, in a separate statement from Prince Harry, um, uh, it tweeted a uh, a necessary byproduct of economic growth is our environmental destruction. <laughs> uh, how noble coming from someone who has never had to work a day in his life and has never had any concern about where the next meal is coming. Self righteous environmentalist with a silver spoon the size of a yeah. By the way, there's a, there's a new special, I think it's on Netflix, about them. And apparently uh, there's some falsified video in there that make them look like they're bigger deals than they actually are. What else is new? And hey, we got to run. See you tomorrow.